Yes, we are celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. But as we're emphasizing in this sermon series, God is about reforming all the time. He's always reforming. He's always looking to bring about change and improvement in His people. And this morning we're talking about reforming our relationships and how we partner with the work of the Holy Spirit to make those relationships the best they can be. You know, if you think about it, God himself is the author and the designer of the idea of relationships. He made the first two people and put them together in the first marriage relationship. He created what we call family. He established community, friendship, ultimately society. So it should be no surprise then that God has something to say about our relationships. And let's face it, we human beings tend to mess up our relationships, don't we? Going all the way back to the very first people, God made them perfect. They had a perfect relationship with each other and with God, and Adam and Eve blew it. When they disobeyed God and sin came into the world, relationships were shattered, and every relationship since then has been tainted by the problem of sin and selfishness. We see it down through biblical history. Their two children, Cain and Abel, didn't get along and Cain ended up killing his brother Abel. As we heard in the Old Testament reading for today, the twelve sons of Jacob didn't exactly all get along. Eleven of them got very jealous of Joseph, ended up throwing him into a cistern and then selling him as a slave to slave traders who then took him to Egypt. Not exactly a good way for siblings to treat one another. But then how do we do in our relationships? You see, the basic problem we all wrestle with is selfishness. A self-centered focus. So today's theme is about reforming our relationships. Making them what they ought to be whether it's our friendships or the relationships we have with people at work with whom we must uh, uh, cooperate in the, in the job environment, our marriages, our family lives, our connections with our extended relatives, it's all part of it. And let me just start off by saying relationships take intentional effort. They take intentional effort. When I work with couples in premarital counseling or couples who want to go back and work on their marriage, one of the things that I talk about with couples is the fact that we have to be intentional if we want our relationships to be the best they can be. They don't automatically become good on themselves. And I use this illustration that we live life on an incline, not on a flat plane. Let me explain. If we lived life in our relationships on a flat plane, then it would go like this. Here we are in our, say, our marriage, and we're going along in life in our marriage, we're working on our marriage, and then we come along and we stop working on it. We just stay right there. And then we pick it up again and we work on it some more, we make more progress, we're moving further down the road of making our marriage the best it can be. The only problem is that's not reality. It doesn't work that way at all. This is reality. We're here in our marriage or other relationships and it takes intentional effort to make it better and better. 
and we make improvements, but the minute we stop and figure we can just coast, we slide back downhill. It takes intentional effort to make relationships the best they can be. We can't just stop working on them. They don't automatically make themselves good. And so we need to be intentional. In fact, if you think about it, God was very intentional about his relationship with us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. How much more intentional can you be? You see, God desired to have a relationship with us that would last all the way into eternity. And he intentionally took action in order to make that happen. He gave his son. Of course, our relationship with God is uh, uh, the most important one. But I dare say God is also interested in our other relationships and how we relate to each other. In our gospel lesson for today from John 15, we heard Jesus speak some relationship words. He said, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other. Easy to say, not always easy to do, is it? And so today we're asking the question, what does loving each other really look like? What does it look like? Of course, we get a clue as to what it looks like in Jesus' own words when he said, love each other as I have loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? Well, in the next verse, verse 13 of that same chapter, he said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And shortly after he said that, he did just that. He laid down his life for us. Jesus showed us the depth of his love for us at the cross. There at the cross, he gave his life as payment for all of our sins. What greater love could there be than someone to lay down their life for others? And when it comes to Jesus, there's no greater example of what love really looks like. So now Jesus comes along and says to his disciples and to you and to me today, love each other. Love each other. And when John writes those words down that Jesus spoke, when it came to the word love, John used the Greek word agape. Agape. There are different words for love in Greek, but agape love refers to a selfless, unconditional kind of love that is always looking out for the interests of the other person. It's other-focused. It's always asking, what does the other person need? And then it does it. That's agape love. And I would contend that it's agape that can reform any of our relationships. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Today, we want to explore what loving each other really looks like. What does loving each other really look like? Well, to help us to answer that question, what does loving each other look like, I'm going to use a little acronym, three letters that stand for three words. And the letters are BLT. Now, I know that when you walk into a restaurant... 
and you order a BLT, you're asking for a sandwich that has on it bacon, lettuce, and tomato. All right, okay. And maybe you'll have that for lunch today. I don't know. Well, I'm going to use three different words for BLT, but the next time you have a BLT sandwich, maybe it'll remind you of what we're going to talk about today when it comes to how to reform our relationships and what love really looks like. And the B of our BLT sandwich is the word beyond. And the phrase I want you to remember is this, go beyond yourself. You want to reform your relationships? Be willing to go beyond yourself. In other words, this is a call to selflessness and humility. Moving beyond ourselves and focusing on the needs of others. St. Paul brings this concept out so beautifully in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. I want to start at verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You can almost hear Paul saying it. Go beyond yourself and put agape into practice so that you can be a blessing to someone else. So, what would that look like in your home, in your family, in your marriage? What would it look like here at church? What would it look like at work with your fellow employees? What would it look like at school with your teachers, your students? What would it look like in your neighborhood? Paul continues, Philippians 2 verse 4, he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, yes, of course, we have our own interests, and that's fine. But Paul's basically saying, go beyond that. Don't get stuck on that. Look out for the interests of other people. Without saying any names, do you know anybody who just, when you're talking to them, they're always simply talking about themselves? You ask them questions and they talk about themselves, but they never ask questions about you. They never turn the conversation back to you. It's always about them. After a while, you know, those conversations become rather wearying. I I, I think of those people as takers. You know, they take, 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 but they never give for the sake of someone else. There's takers and there's givers. Which are you? I think we need to be givers. I think that's what Paul's writing about. He goes on, verses 5 to 8, by saying, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow, Jesus shows us what true humility is looks like. He went way beyond himself for our sake. So the first step toward reforming our relationships is to go beyond ourselves. Go beyond yourself. Go beyond yourself. How, how might you do that in your marriage, in your family life? How might you do that with that relative that you haven't talked to for maybe years? How might you do that with, with your spouse How might you do that with that friend who's gotten off track with you in terms of your friendship? What would happen if you took the first step and made the first move 
toward making things better. How might you go beyond yourself? That's the B. The L of our BLT sandwich is this. Listen and learn. Listen and learn. When I work with couples, premarital or marriage uh, couples, one of the things that we talk about, of course, is the importance of good listening. And I, and I work on the skill known as active listening. Active listening is more than just having sounds go in one ear and out the other. Active listening is where you listen so well to the other person that you then are able to state back to them what it is you heard them say in your own words. And it gives them a chance to say, yeah, that's what I meant. Or the chance to say, no, that's not quite what I meant. What I really meant was this. Oh, so what you really are saying to me is this. Yes. Active listening. It's a, it's a two-way conversation. And it's a very important way of communicating. It helps the other person know, yeah, you're on the right track here. Active listening. And I usually like to say that listening is one of the greatest gifts we can give another person. When we listen well to someone, even if we disagree with their point of view, when we listen to them well, we're saying, I value you as a person. It's a gift we give, the gift of listening. James, in his letter, chapter 1, verse 19, says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, maybe it was no accident that God gave each of us two ears and only one of these. <laughs> one mouth, right? We need to be better listeners. And we need to listen, not for listening's sake. We need to listen in order to learn. To learn something more about the person. To understand more clearly what the other person is saying. You know, our sinful pride says, oh, I don't really need to listen. I, I've got this all figured out, you see. I know I'm right and they're wrong. So, you know, I don't need to listen to you. That's pride. But Proverbs 13.10 says, pride only breeds quarrels. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Ah, listening and learning. You see, in all of our relationships, it's important that we stay teachable. And yes, even if you've been married for 45 years, there's something new to learn about your spouse. We need to listen and learn. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We learn from each other as we listen well and seek to understand each other. Proverbs 27:6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. What's he saying there? The friend that you trust, the friend, has your best interest in mind, and that person is someone that you should listen to, even if what they say stings a little bit. Even if they say something blunt, but they mean it for your best well-being, we need to heed those words. The one who only gives empty flattery isn't really doing us any good. So we need to go beyond ourselves. We need to listen and learn. And then the T of the BLT sandwich is the word truth. We need to speak the truth and we need to live the truth in our relationships. 
First of all, the Bible calls us to speak the truth and to do so from the posture of love. Paul says in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. That is, when we speak, we speak it in a loving way, in a way that respects the other person. And there's different kinds of aspects of truth we need to speak. For example, we need to speak sometimes the hard truth. In theological terms, we call it the law. We need at times to speak the law of God, to warn someone when we see them going astray from the ways of God. Sometimes we refer to this as tough love, holding someone accountable for their behavior. Parents know all too well that there are times when they have to practice tough love with their children. But tough love is intended to lead a person to the point of acknowledging their wrong so that we can speak then the soft love, the gospel message, the gentle love, the love that says God loves you and God forgives you and I forgive you and love you too. That's where Joseph finally ended up, you know, in that Old Testament story. If you read that story all the way to the end, you get to the last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50, And we see Joseph, he's in charge of Egypt under the Pharaoh. He's the number two man. And when his brothers come to Egypt, he could have had them all executed for what they did to him. But he didn't. He forgave them. And he showed them how much he loved them. And he provided for their needs. We need to speak the truth in love. We also need to live the truth. Live the truth. That is, we need to live truthful lives with, where honesty and trustworthiness are central to our character. Good relationships depend upon truthfulness. Proverbs 16.13 says, Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a person who speaks the truth. Reforming our relationships involves a commitment then to honesty. It also means we value personal integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says, the person of integrity walks securely, but the one who, who takes crooked paths will be found out. And Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. I like what C.S. Lewis had to say about integrity. I quote, Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That's good, isn't it? And friends, what we're talking about here with truth is about letting the Holy Spirit work within us and make us more and more like Jesus. Like Jesus who said, I am the truth. Jesus who is the truth, Jesus who lived the truth, and Jesus who prayed for his followers these words in his high priestly prayer to his heavenly Father. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And a part of being sanctified by the truth is that we be transformed to live truth-filled lives in all of our relationships. So, do you want to experience some reformation in your relationships? Then remember BLT. Go beyond yourself. 
listen and learn and then live the truth, speak the truth and live the truth in all of your relationships. And all of this, of course, will lead to greater and greater trust in your relationships. And if you think about it, isn't that what is at the core of good relationships? Trust? I began this message by saying that God is the author and designer of the idea of relationships and that He desires to have a relationship with us that lasts into eternity. And just consider for a moment what He did to make that a reality. First of all, God went beyond Himself for our sake to make us His own. Secondly, God continues to always listen to us when we come to Him in prayer. And thirdly, God Himself speaks truth to us in His Word. And He is the truth incarnate in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, friends, we can trust Him. And because of that relationship, we now have the power that we need to reform all of our other relationships with other people for the glory of God. So let me close with this question. Are you ready to make a BLT sandwich? Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.